Just going to ask Liz Kilpatrick to come just now and read the, the word of God to us. Thanks, Liz. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 13. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Amen. May God bless our hearts the reading of his holy words. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the scriptures. Rest is your word, Lord God. We pray you'd speak it to us, Lord, and let it have its purpose in us, Lord, the purpose to which you wrote it for. And we pray, Lord, that it's only through the power of your Holy Spirit that we will, it's not by might or by power, that this will come alive, Lord. And we just pray in the name of Jesus that you'd fill me, fill this place, Lord, with your glory. Fill us, Lord God, and help us to apply this and live this. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This year is going to be the Olympic Games uh, in London, London 2012. And some events are going to be taking place in Scotland, uh, quite near to home here. There's always great excitement about an Olympic Games, isn't there? And one of the most exciting things that tends to happen in the Olympic Games is the running races, the 100 metres, the 200 metres. 400 metres. And it is amazing, even for those of us that aren't really into that particular sport, to watch these athletes, how highly trained they are, how disciplined they are, how much effort they've put in, and preparation they've put in. But you know something, no athlete can win a race like that unless he or she has discipline, unless they've got discipline. 
Discipline to do what? Discipline to keep focus. What are they focusing on? The goal. The finish line. And months, if not years of preparation have went in in order to hit that finish line in good time. You've got to keep focus. You've got to keep going. There's no giving up when you're an athlete. They go up probably day and day. Oh, I'm an athlete. I need to train today. I can't be bothered. <laughs> but they keep going. Unlike me, uh, they're actually fit. And they keep going every day. They keep training. They eat the right things. They do the right things for a long period of time. Even when they don't feel like doing it. All because they want to hit this goal of, I'm going to be first in that race. I'm going to run that race. I'm going to finish that race. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to apply some discipline. There's a prize involved in that particular run, isn't there? There's a goal in mind. And much effort is required to get it. But I'm sure athletes like this chap here, this chap's Derek Redmond, a British retired athlete now who ran uh, back in the 1992 uh, Olympic Games for Britain in the 400 metres. I'm sure he felt like giving up sometimes. But he kept on going. Kept on going. Kept running, kept preparing, heading for the goal. Could you imagine an athlete like uh, Derek Redmond there getting ready for the race, but at the same time doing something like this? <clears throat> Grabbing a... You see them limbering up. You know, normally you see them like this. They're limbering up. They've got... Fancy... Fancy... Like that. They're definitely not like that. I'm not even going to do it right, but they're, 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 they're slick, they're ready. You know, they're not wearing heavy clothing, but you can imagine, here's Derek Redman just warming up for the race. Let's just get this on. Can't even get on my back here. But yeah, I'll put that on there, and uh, for good measure, just to help me run the 400 metres, I'll grab two of these, which I've had in my car, uh, because I thought it was going to be a snowy winter, and it's antifreeze for the car, so I'll grab my big laptop bag, I'll get ready on the race line, the start line here. Ugh. Brilliant, I'm ready now. Totally ready for this race. <laughs> so if it wasn't bad enough, I'm totally unfit. I've actually got to run this 400 metres to the air against highly trained athletes with a bag on my back and two unused containers. Ugh. Bang! Ugh. I think I'm being a bit daft. I think, what do you think, Cathy? I'm off my head. I'm off my head. When all the time, what I should have done, what I should have done was leave this stuff behind. I'm going to leave it right here. Now it's better. I can get back in the starting blocks and I can run that race with nothing hindering me. It's needless. It was needless for me that athlete that was highly trained to be sitting there on the starting line, on the blocks ready to run or be running with needless things on my back. It's a bit like the Pilgrim Progress story of the man wandering around with this bag on his back. This burden on his back. Oh, life's terrible. Oh, I hate this. It's everything so heavy. Everything's just so heavy and everything's so weighing me down. When all the time the Father, God, just wanted them to leave it. Where did he want them to leave it, folks? Behind. He wanted them to leave it at the cross. And this is where the writer to the Hebrews, as we've just seen there, quite rightly uses the form of an athlete, somebody who's training and running a race, and talks about needless burdens being borne, things that are holding that person back. 
from running to the best of their ability and to the best that they should be doing. But the believer in Jesus experiences sins forgiven at the cross. That's a burden off our back, isn't it? That's a heavy load. The burden of our sins laid down because our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ laid down his life for us to bear the burden of our sins that we couldn't bear. And when we trust in Jesus, he lifts the load off. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near, says the hymn writer. But then there's things in our hands as well. And believe me, I'm preaching to myself here. You can't preach to people without preaching to yourself. God's always speaking to you. What's in our hands? Jesus forgives us from our sins. Lifts the burden off our back. But what have we picked up again? What have I picked up again? That isn't helping me. It's weight. These are actually quite heavy if you hold on to them for any period of time. Um, what is it that we're still holding on to? For me, I know what the Lord's challenging me about. And day and daily, every day, we lay them down. But we don't just lay them down randomly. We say, God, I'm asking you to help me lay them down. Whatever that might be for you. It might be anger. It might be bitterness. It might be despair. It might be things that the Lord's word just saying, you should not do this. And you say, Lord, I'm asking you to help me to put them down and leave them there and allow me to run this race unhindered. And the things in your hand, if we, th- if we take the bag as representing our sins, so first of all, we need that dealt with, don't we? We need the heavy thing off our back. So if you haven't trusted in Jesus, trust him. Believe that he died on that cross for you and say, save me, forgive me, lift the burden from me. I'm sorry for my sins. And the, the bag comes off the back. But then as believers in Jesus, and much what I'm going to focus on today, is what are we holding on to? What would it be that would be hindering us? And the Lord would discipline us just like the athlete needs to be trained and disciplined not to do things as silly as that. Carry weights that are needless when they're running. So a Christian has to, we have to be trained and disciplined just like the child kids told us. They even realise, they even realise that a good father disciplines them. Isn't that amazing? So how much more do we need to be disciplined by our Father in Heaven so that we're not carrying around needless things? So there's a couple of things just to challenge, and I'm challenging myself as well as all of us today, believe me. What are we carrying? Christians carrying needless weights. Absolutely unnecessary things that are holding us down, holding us back. Secondly, believers losing focus on Jesus. You know, one thing is, when you're carrying heavy weights... (laughs) Your eyes go down. It's just natural. You slouch. You go down a bit. I used to say I never walk straight. I probably don't. But uh, you slouch more than normal. Your eyes are on this rather than ahead. And as I look straight ahead today, what's there right in front of me? A cross <laughs> with a galaxy behind it. I need to let that down in order to look ahead and fix my eyes on the finish line. Fix my eyes on the Lord Jesus. And again, we need to leave this here at the cross. Because it's only God. It's not by might. It's not by power that we can get let go of these things. It's by the Holy Spirit at work within a believer, you and I, that he will enable us to, to let go of those. Amen? Is that not encouraging? And so, Christians today, what are we carrying that's unnecessary? Sins, God's told us to lay down that we haven't done bitterness, anger all of these things are actually sin you know, and a root of bitterness can really just 
destroy the life of a believer. We can be carrying that like a really heavy thing. You know, we're, we're annoyed at what somebody did to us. Maybe quite rarely annoyed. But do you know what God says? Lay it down. Lay it down at the cross. Do you know why? Because he laid down his life for us. And because we were his enemies. And we sinned against him first. But God loved us first before we ever loved him. And in the same way, people will have hurt us and we're carrying it. But we shouldn't be. The Lord can let us let go of that. Help us let go of that hurt, that pain. And discipline us to to be able to do that. Amen? So we're to turn our eyes upon Jesus because he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. We were thinking about (coughs) faith last week and we're obviously moving on into the next chapter. We were in Hebrews chapter 11 last week looking at it's time to believe God and we looked at a description of faith which has been sure of what we hope for which is Jesus and all that means and the goal of heaven when we die the goal of knowing uh, that he has got a good plan for us now certain of what we don't see the, the hymn writer said there I will run to you till I see you face to face we've never had the pleasure of, of seeing the Lord Jesus face to face yet but we will and that's a glorious thing to think about when I see him face to face. That's a promise. Certain of what we don't see. Circumstances are bad, difficult. Um, all around us doesn't look good, but we look to the things that are unseen, is what we're thinking about. Yeah, that's what faith is. Believing God in the midst of every, any and every circumstance. Trusting him, having faith in him. But then it's not just good enough having a knowledge of faith and accepting faith, but we need to demonstrate our faith. And this was a, a long list of ordinary people throughout the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, who had demonstrated having faith in God in impossible circumstances. And because they trusted God and they they stepped out in faith, miracles happened. And we were just saying that that's you and I. We're ordinary people who have an extraordinary God. And when we demonstrate our faith and believe God, move on, uh, miracles happen. And that's where we're continuing today in the next chapter. It's time to obey God. It's time to obey God. We trust in him at first. We start in the run, the race. But there comes a discipline. There comes a, a step of obedience. The word discipline, I looked it up, uh, says this. The practice of training people to obey rules or the code of behaviour using punishment to correct disobedience. The controlled behaviour resulting from such training uh, are an activity or experience that provides mental or physical training. So you can see why the the, the, the Lord would direct uh, the scriptures to, to compare it to an athlete, someone running the race, and having discipline and having corrective action taken. <clears throat> so let's turn to the passage today, it's Hebrews 12. I'm going to just pull out three practical aspects of what discipline means in the Christian life. It's time to obey God. Firstly, discipline is an act of obedience. It's a choice we make. It's not forced on us. We choose to accept Jesus as our saviour and we we are saved and forgiven. But then we have another choice to make. Are we going to obey the word of God? Discipline is an act of obedience. It says there in verse 1, Since we are surrounded by witnesses, just like the the runner in a race, so to speak, is um, there are many uh, spectators there, many people looking on, watching that particular race. We've had a long list of people there in Hebrews 11 who have gone before and have passed passed away and they are moving into the promised heaven uh, the goal of their faith but in this example the witnesses don't think of them as spectators, they're not really spectators they are those who have went before us in the faith who have demonstrated their faith to us and we read about it in the scriptures and that's for our encouragement 
It's so that when we look into the scriptures and we see miracles happening in impossible situations, we believe God for miracles in our impossible situations. Yeah? They're a demonstration. They're not spectators because they didn't spectate in their life, did they? they? They ran the race. They were running the race. And there were forerunners as a good example for us. And we join in that race. So here's another thing. We spoke earlier on about God's house being big. There are a lot of people running this race in the world today, believers in Jesus, and a lot who have went before us. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we're witnesses to God working miracles all the time. So there's no excuse for us giving up. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So really, we're to live by faith, but in order to live and run the race, as I've illustrated earlier on, first of all, we need to throw off sin. Ask for forgiveness for our sin. And as a believer, that's a daily task as well, isn't it? It's a daily task in our walk with Christ. We receive that once for all forgiveness, but we also, as God challenges us, we would throw it down and let it go. Ask for forgiveness for that. Like the runner and the racist to fix his eyes on the goal. We're encouraged there in verse 2. We have a goal. We have to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So again, if, if I'm carrying things that are hindering me, my eyes are down. I'm not focusing on the goal. If I throw them away like I should do and like we're intended to do, we look up, we look forward, we look to Jesus. Because he's the one that, you know, none of us get saved without Jesus, didn't we not? It's only through Jesus that we're saved. So he began the work. And it's only through, as we keep looking to Jesus, as we keep focusing on him, that he'll actually perfect it. So by being a perfecter, it suggests we need some perfecting. <laughs> I do. Uh, I don't know about you. <laughs> but we, we're not perfect. Only God is perfect. And there's this word called sanctification, this kind of complicated word. But really, a believer in Jesus is forgiven by their sins and they have the Holy Spirit within them. But then we're, we're brought into a process of sanctification, which is sorting us out in order that we'll be more like Jesus. Yeah? And hopefully, through time, believers in Jesus, we see we've came a long way from where we used to be. We've let a lot of things go. There's still some work to be done, but God's been working on us for quite a time now. And we've left a lot of things behind. Amen? So we should be encouraged by that. <clears throat> but be challenged by it as well. We need some perfecting. <laughs> and we need to focus on Jesus to help us work in us. Faith, you see, is a forward motion. It's a movement. If you stop or if you retreat, that's not faith. Faith, as James says, you know, faith without deeds is dead. Faith without action is dead. So you can be a believer in Jesus but be stopped or retreating. Why? Because we're carrying <coughs> stuff. I'm down. Things never work out for me. Everything's just the same. Is that true? Nothing's ever going to change. It's not true. It's a lie of the devil. It's a lie of the devil. The devil tells you you can't move forward. You can't take a step forward. It's never going to work. God says, yes you can, because I'm going to let you help you lay those things down. And you're going to run. And he literally, here's, here's a thing, we're going to think about an illustration of this later on. But God is within us as believers. And he's spurring us on. Not only spurring us on and cheering us on. He's running with us. 
There's a sense in which we're running to Him, but we're also running with Him. We're running to Him, but we're running with Him. Jesus said, I will never leave you. So we're finding it tough in the race, folks, today. If we find it hard in the Christian life, let's be encouraged. We're running to the author and perfecter of our faith, but we're running with Him. He's within us. And that means all of His strength, all of His power to propel us forwards. Faith is a forward motion. So we're, we're showing the, the example of our Saviour and discipline being an act of obedience. Verse 2 it says, Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus himself fixed his eye on the goal. I'm looking right to a cross right now and that's exactly where Jesus looked. And why did he look to a cross? He looked to a cross because he knew sin had to be dealt with. Otherwise, all of us were never going to have a right relationship with himself. We'd never be right with God. Sin, the wages of sin is death. So Jesus came with a clear eye and a clear plan. I'm here to go to a cross. To pay the price for all of our sin. And all whoever would ever believe in me as their saviour. That's some goal, isn't it? But that goal wasn't easy. Jesus was equally God and equally man. And that wasn't an easy goal. Do you remember Jesus agonising in the Garden of Gethsemane? Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He says, yet thy will be done. Thy will be done. Jesus demonstrated he is God himself. That he was fully human, fully God. He experienced pain like we did. This is an encouragement to us, folks. He experienced pain. He experienced physical pain. He experienced spiritual pain and separation from his Father in order that we can be strengthened and we can be saved. Yet he pressed on for the joy set before him to keep focus and be obedient. He demonstrated how to do it. Jesus went through great suffering and pain. You know, the question of suffering is a a very difficult one, but can I just say this? Jesus suffered for each one of us more than we could ever imagine. So that he can lift our suffering from us. Does that make sense? Uh, Isaiah says he carried our sorrows. That really helped me through a time of grief in my own life and difficulty. He carried our sorrows. We go through the pain. We go through the difficulty. But when we look to Jesus, you know, we can carry the sorrows or he can carry them. I'm speaking to myself, folks. We can carry the sorrows or he can carry them for us. The pain, the hurt, the difficulty, the failures in our own lives even. Are we going to carry them? Or is he going to carry them? We lay them down at the cross. Because he's able to carry them because he did carry them at the cross, didn't he? He carried them far, far away, as the hymn writer says. Living he loved me. Dying he saved me. Buried he carried. My sins far away. Really forever. Amen. Do you know, see that chorus? That's wonderful. That's like the whole gospel message in a winner. In a chorus. Living, he loved me. Very important. What was his goal? Love. The Father's love. God so loved you and me. He would go through all that for us. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He wants us to have life, folks, now and forever. He wants to lift these things from us. That's incredible. It's an act of obedience. He obeyed it. And then what happened as a result of it, he won the victory over sin and death. He's able to lift the burden of sin from anybody who trusts in him, ever. 
He's able to forgive to the uttermost. He's able to carry sorrows far away. The joy set before him was you and I. And all the other people, this great cloud of witnesses who would ever trust in him. That brings him great joy because he's our father. God is our father. He wants us to be in a right relationship with him as we talked about earlier on. And what brings him more joy than seeing his children coming into right relationship with himself? That's a joy to him. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, Jesus is alive today. He's totally victorious. Satan's under his foot. The powers of hell have nothing over him. He's conquered it. And the way is open for us to receive all of that forgiveness and all of that strength from his hand. So we're to consider Jesus, verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So what does he mean there? Well, Jesus went through some terrible things. Betrayal, um, personal uh, hurt, unfair treatment, um, totally unjust punishment. Now there's uh, the judge there, Pilate, saying this man has done nothing wrong. Yet you're saying crucify him. Do we think Jesus didn't feel the pain of that? He did feel the pain of that because he was human, but fully God at the same time. But yet, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He said, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. They don't fully, their eyes aren't open yet. For some reason, they've not got it, that this is God here. I'm God, and I love them. And they don't understand it yet, but I'm going all the way to the cross so that I'm making a way to open their eyes to the truth. Praise the Lord when eyes are open, folks. Are your eyes opened today to the truth? Are they opened to the fact that our Saviour has done all of this for us individually? And also, if we've faced opposition that's totally unjust, totally unfair, and all this stuff's happened, it's just not right. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that we, we get encouraged by looking to him. We get encouraged by thinking about him. By realising that Jesus is within us to strengthen us. And he understands. So we can talk to him. We can say, God, I'm hurt by this. And he knows what it feels like. And he's able to deal with it. And lift it from us. So just encourage us to apply that today. If there are things that's hurting us today, to give them to the Saviour. So that we'll not grow weary and give up. Fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's a choice we make. We've got to decide to do this. God's not going to force it on us, but he encourages us strongly to do this. It's an act of obedience. Burdens on, head down. Burdens off, head up and run. Discipline, secondly, shows the Father's love. All of this discipline, as the children told us earlier on in the service, discipline is done by a father because he loves you. A good father disciplines his children because he loves them. Sometimes, maybe in the struggles that we go through, we forget that we're actually precious children. And I suppose maybe it's easier to think of ourselves as children when we're actually children, or we. <laughs> um, but when we're older, maybe we don't feel like children. But can we just receive this truth today? We have a heavenly Father, and we are His sons and daughters when we trust in Jesus. We're His precious little children. Precious little children. So again, there's a problem. We can sometimes forget the truth, not focus. Losing focus. We are God's children, but we don't always focus on that. Is this a word to you and I today? To remember our Heavenly Father? To remember that He's wanting the best for you? That He loves you? Discipline is the act of a loving Father. You know, loving fathers don't command a response, but because they demonstrate their love for their children, they respond. 
If you're anything like me, you will have failed many times as a parent. <laughs> sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it badly wrong. But here's a great encouragement. Our Father in Heaven never gets it wrong. He never gets it wrong. Because His love is perfect. And He is perfect. So like we're thinking earlier on, we're not perfect, we make mistakes. But our Father isn't perfect. And He's able to perfect us to even be better parents. To be better than we are. But focus on this though. Our Father's love is perfect for us. And He would encourage us. He's doing, he's doing His best for us. Just like the perfect father example you could ever think of. And God knows what's best. You know, sometimes as earthly parents, we don't always know what's best. We sometimes look back in a scenario and say, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I encourage that? Because we're not perfect. We make mistakes. But God knows the good plan. God knows the right track for you and I. He never makes mistakes. So we can trust in him to always know what's best. Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. You know, the father, a a perfect father doesn't enjoy having to discipline his son or daughter. But there are benefits afterwards because he has done that. So when we go off track, we're carrying all this stuff, we're hindered, we're stopped in the race, we're way off the, we're whole off track. What loving father wouldn't go to their son or daughter and come alongside them and bring them gently back in or even strongly back in I've experienced that in my life there are times the Lord just gently brings you back in there's times he he hits you hard because you just went totally wrong and you need to uh, that's, that's love folks isn't it you know just at the time we have to we have to receive discipline from our earthly parents if we make mistakes our father comes alongside and he's moving us back in Because no loving father would ever watch a son or daughter go off track and not do anything about it. So this discipline, hope we just get that today, that is demonstration, this discipline is a demonstration of God's great love. It shows the father's love for us. A few practical points for that. Discipline, so we've messed up and it hurts. uh, And God's challenging us and correcting us. And maybe we feel like that today. But it's for our good. Verse 10. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. So God's wanting to perfect us. He's wanting to make us more like him so that we'll have a better life, so that we will live better lives, so we'll be in harmony with him and with each other. A second practical point, and this is important, God will not test us beyond what we can bear. So I really believe this. There's been principles, there are spiritual principles that you just find in life from the Lord and this is one I believe with all my heart that an honest believer in Jesus will not be tested beyond what they can bear and you read about that to be tempted beyond what you can bear in the scriptures and God will provide a way out so there comes times when we really do mess up but I believe that's where the, gray, the hand of grace of God comes in and he just, he just says right now you're coming back in as long as we're responding to that I've experienced it I'm sure you have as well and then maybe there are things that are just nothing to do with us there are things that you know maybe we haven't done wrong but things are just so hard things are just so hard I would believe today that God would say can, can he not help us to lay those things at the cross and carry those that way for us and help us because he wouldn't give us more than we could bear would he because he's a good father and he'll give us the strength we need my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness Sometimes we feel so weak, but God's strong. Amen?
God's discipline produces the fruit of righteousness, right living, and peace. Peace with God and peace with each other. It produces a harvest by those that are trained. You know, the runner uh, is aiming for some kind of gold medal at the, the end. But when we're racing, when we're running for the Lord, there's a harvest field. There's a harvest of fruit to come from it. Good things. Uh, a blessing to you individually. A blessing to your family. A blessing to your friend. A blessing to your community. A blessing to, 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 to the world that you live in. It produces fruit. And a harvest. So as Christians, we're all in training. Whether we feel like it or not. God's working on us. Training us through these painful times. These difficult times. These times of failure. He's training us to become more like himself. So our Father God disciplines us for our good so that we share in his holiness. So we've had discipline is an act of obedience. And secondly, the discipline is an act of a loving Father. And finally, discipline demands a response. It says in verse 12, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. This sounds like the, the words of a coach, doesn't it? it? Sounds like the words of a coach. Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. So what have we had before this to give us encouragement, right? This is the response that's coming now. Well, we've had the example of God's Son who endured, for the joy set before him, endured the cross for us, scorning its shame so that we can have our burdens lifted, so that we can have his strength within us. We have the Father's love wrapped around us, no matter what's happened. And our loving Father just wants what's best for us. He just wants to bring healing and strength and help us run the race. Amen. So he only wants our good. And now because he's shown all of this to us, he's able to do it and he loves us and he's helping us to do it. We've got to respond, don't we? It demands a response, this. We respond to our Father's love and the discipline that he's giving us. And it makes us want to run for him. That hymn said, I will run to you, to your words of truth. We want to run for him and to him because of what he's done for us. There might be other motivations for athletes, etc. But our motivation is the Father's love for us. What he's done for us and who he is makes us want to run for him. I'm just going to show a video just now. <clears throat> and then we'll just finish after that. That video was from the 1992 Olympics. The athlete was Britain's Derek Redmond running the 400 metres semi-final. And the man who came to help him was his dad. It was his dad. He said to his dad, put me back on lane 8. I want to finish this race. And his father helped him cross that finish line. Because he loved him. We're running a race. But we're not running it alone. We are not running it alone. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, he is also right there with us. Our Father God's right there to put us back on track. You know that Derek experienced pain there. Something went wrong. Maybe we've experienced physical pain or we're experiencing it just now. Maybe... We're experiencing emotional pain. Whatever the pain might be, our Father's coming. And He's right at our shoulder. Just think of the Father there, over the shoulder, arm around His Son, providing weight 
lifting him up because he couldn't stand, his hamstring had gone couldn't physically stand supporting him, lifting him up and bringing him on to the finish line that's what our father's like praise the Lord, praise the Lord that's what our father's like but the son had a determination there to say, I want to finish get me back on lane 8 I'm going to run so that's the challenge for us today as we finish if we're off track today and the Lord's challenging us are we going to say to our father father help me get back on track I'm going to finish this race and do you know something he's right with us all the time waiting for us to say that with the grace to forgive with the strength to help us and heal us he says make level therefore strengthen your feeble arms lifting them up and your weak knees providing strength and healing make level paths for your feet back on track I'm going to finish this race so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed the Lord would want to provide healing for us and sometimes we don't experience the physical healing maybe just take another wee example from there the father helped him with a disability across the finish line the Lord's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses and the things that we can't do ourselves he gives us the strength as we cry out to him we're running this race for God but we're not running it alone Philippians 1 verse 6 says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus remember the father there he said we started this career together it's only right that we finish it together we started this career together it's only right that we finish it together that was his last race that was, that was him finishing his career so it's a wonderful illustration for us today our father's helping us, he's right there he began the good work and he's carrying it on we're going to get across the finish line do you know that's a promise folks when we're saved we're always saved and God just wants us to run this race well he wants us to be added to this list of people that ran the race well they weren't perfect but they trusted God and they ran and he's just encouraging us to do that today let's pray